Welcome back to season two of Son of a Preacher Man with Jonathan Martin, a podcast all about finding beauty and brokenness, grace and grit, God and the ambiguity of the in-between. In today's episode, Jonathan and Rachel Held Evans discuss their perspectives on wisdom and discernment in the context of spiritual spaces where they have encountered different ideas, theologies, and even political understandings from people who may deserve different responses than harsh debate, but perhaps grace, love, and acceptance. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So Rachel, one of the things I want to ask you about, because I feel like this is something that you embody well. I mean, the even talking about the ways that I feel like, you know, why you challenge people's some former systems, uh, there, there is something very rooted and grounded. I'm just, what I'm feeling like I see a lot of now is that things are so reactive that there's just this rigid ideological purity where what I see happening and without being too direct here, when we talked informally at lunch, I, there was a certain community I had this thought about just wrestling with some things where it felt like there was a, so you go from being this kind of fundamentalist where this, there's this rigid, um, you have to check every box on the right to where then it becomes an equally disembodied head oriented, idea of religion on the left where you check every box or yeah. you're out. Yeah. But it still feels really reactive. Right. And it doesn't feel yet like a constructive alternative. Yeah. Yeah. And like sometimes I'll hear pushback on that observation by saying like, well, you know, it's not exactly fundamentalism of a different sort because it's not. Because I mean, I think fundamentalism is like if we're talking about Christian fundamentalism in mm-hmm. America, that is actually, you know, a set of beliefs. Sure. That, you can be, you know, close to in your orbit or, or far away from. So, yeah. you know, it's not exactly like fundamentalism, but different. But the the postures can be, like you said, very disembodied and and very um, purity focused. That's right. Because we're aiming for, I think a lot of, to be honest, I think a lot, of, like I spent, I'm much more afraid of attacks from the left than mm. I am the right these days. Maybe just because the right's kind of done with me. <laughs> yeah, sure. I hear that. Uh, and I think a lot of where, what you fear is who you most want to belong yes, with. Yes. And I actually want a place in progressive circles and yeah. in, in, in you know, activist circles and, and that sort of thing and sure. in progressive Christian circles. And so I have this fear. I was talking with another writer speaker um, about this yesterday hmm. that we live in fear of like you say one wrong thing. Yeah. And like the, the expression is actually you're trash, yeah. you're gone, you're thrown away, yeah. you're canceled. Canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a scary word that is. It's terrifying. Mm. And I, especially when you're somebody who I look back on my life and there's been a lot of change. Oh, and sure. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Right. Most of us hopefully are not. Yeah. Um, and so like, first of all, I hope that there's grace for me to continue changing and continue sure. learning. And second of all, I hope that I'm able to extend grace to people who are where I was five years ago yeah. or 10 years ago. Um, I think it's like so much part of it is that so much of the communication we're doing now um, is on social media. Right. And so, you know, we kind of know everybody by what they can express about themselves and their views in 140 characters. And that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily helpful. It's also great because it exposes you to a bunch of new ideas and people. Mm -hmm. So I'm not one of those people who thinks social media is the problem. No, I I just think that um, 
as a tool, it's got its advantages and its disadvantages. Yeah. And so if you're not, this is why I'm like a big, like try to stay part of a church or some kind of believing yeah. community of any kind that you go in or in person with. Yes. Because it, you cannot maintain the ideological That's purity right. there. You it's can't. impossible. People will challenge it. Family. Yeah. Like if, yeah. like if everybody starts cutting off. Yeah. I just, I'm such a big believer in that. Like real community will force you to not the I do but that whole thing though about like growth and change like it just one of the saddest things for me is I feel like I'll see somebody moves because they are growing and changing and their reward for walking halfway across the street is to get shot in the middle of the street <laughs> right. because they haven't made it to the other side right. it's like what would you have rather them <laughs> stayed here right you know yeah. like can we not be happy when we see somebody <laughs> yes. make positive movement in yeah. their life? Oh, yeah. I mean, I see it happens every day. And it's, yeah, it's but like what I think about a lot is like if the people that I'm in community with here in yeah. Dayton, Tennessee, where you are also now, um, a tiny little town in East Tennessee that is not particularly diverse and mm -hmm. that, um, you know, this is the town I went to high school in, you know, if how my friends and family would be treated here treated mm. by like the online community I'm a part of Ooh, if they yeah. were to express what they think yeah. is upsetting to me sure and a lot of these people have moved heaven and earth mm -hmm. away like to to change and evolve in their views in some really powerful and important ways sure. but they haven't gotten as far as you know a lot of the folks on Twitter right um and I do think maybe I'll get in trouble for this there is some privilege actually at work, mm. like when it in terms of education. Yeah. And I am privileged in the sense of, you know, my educational background. And also, like, I travel the country and sure. meet a lot of people with different points of view who have expanded my, you know, viewpoints on race and privilege yeah. and, um, you know, nationalism and all these things. And, like, frankly, the people I went to high school with don't have that same privilege. Sure. And so, yeah, they're not where mm -hmm. everybody else might be, like mm -hmm. on Twitter. <laughs> on, right. You know, sort of woke, progressive Twitter. Um, but they've come, they're also, I don't know, they're changing and, and growing and evolving in their own contexts mm -hmm. in some important ways that I want to try to respect. Yes. You know, so... I don't know. It's it's tricky, though, because yeah. I, I think a lot of us I talk to a lot of people who who have a lot of fear mm -hmm. about saying something wrong I have and getting fear. canceled. I have, I'm scared. <laughs> Are you afraid I'm, you're going to get oh, canceled? I'm terrified, for sure. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, we're holding different things together because the one hand I've heard you say, and we, we talked about this briefly today, too, the I absolutely agree there's some things you can't compromise with. I mean, like, you know, like, oh, well, this is racism, so we'll go, like, halfway to be right. kind of racist. Like, you know, I don't I'm not <laughs> right. saying compromise, with, but but I do think, for me, the real, um, what scares me about, like, any kind of ideological purity is that it just is, it doesn't require you to change your life. And, like, I, that scares me, like, in a different way, that I, that I can change my ideas and still feel justified because I feel like I hold the right ideas. Right. And even hold myself above people who might actually be doing some really profound things on the ground with their... It's right. where it seems to me, it's where I'm getting more and more, and I'm not trying to make... It's not, I don't think beliefs matter, but I think it's why for me, I keep returning more and more to this idea that Christianity strikes me as more a set of practices than it is a set of beliefs. Because, in, and it is, you know, in the Episcopal context, but Pentecostalism has its own version... 
you know, come pray the Book of Common Prayer with us. Come sing in the Spirit, whatever it might be, but like, come do this stuff with us. You know, is is not the same thing as come think just like us about right. everything. And it seems to me like having a set of embodied practices is the only hope because that to me feels like progress. So if you move from being in your head to into your body, into the world, like that's progress. But right. if you just move from one end of an ideological yeah. to another, is that even oh, movement? That's a really good you way know, to put it. Is that even change? That's a super good way to put it. And you know who else will challenge ideological purity is activists who've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Like people who yeah. actually have been marching for sure. a long time and organizing for a long time. Like mm. they'll be the first to tell you that like trying to achieve this ideological purity hurts the movement. Right. And that a lot right. of it is just people in their heads or on social media uh, back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. Not because as soon as it becomes embodied, you realize it's way messier than you were planning, and that yes. everybody doesn't see things the exact same way, and that we disagree on really important stuff. Sure, and we disagree about what, what's aligned too far, even or mm-hmm. what you know. Um, yeah, it gets way messier as yes. soon as it gets out of your head and into your hands and your feet. Mm-hmm. But you know, the activists that I respect the most, the people who've been at this for years and years, yeah. and I consider myself kind of a newcomer to social justice activism, yeah, same here. And barely you know, just kind of getting started in that. The people I respect who've been at it for a long time will be the first to tell you that, um, yeah, once you, that, that the long and hard work of it is only sustainable if there's a little bit of room for grace. Right, that's right. And, and that's what I worry about is just no grace at all. I understand yes. that grace has been abused. Mm-hmm. The word grace has been abused. And sure. The, and a, there's a posture towards grace that's, that can be abusive that says, you know, um, pe- lets people get away with, hurting other people and really causing a lot of harm and that that needs to be addressed. But I just can't do Christianity. I mean, I I guess there's still the question to me of what makes my activism Christian. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of, I mean, besides like, I mean, it's centered around Jesus and the work, you know, but, but what really makes it Christian is grace. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot have Christianity without grace. That's right. And so like, you know, the, the conversation around progressive Christian work, mm. um, I just can't really conceive of that without some space for grace and for yes. people to think differently. But I say that as somebody who's been like, who's jumped on the, the pile, you know, sure. who's, who's been sure. a part of pylons, yeah. who has been uh, aggressively critical of other people, you know. So, I mean, I'm not saying this as somebody who has done it right all the time. I regret some of that. Sure. Um, but I think, yeah, like embody, embodiment changes it. Mm-hmm. It just makes it messier. And mm-hmm. it's just so much easier to demand purity when, you Absolutely. know, from your keyboard. Uh, right, right, <laughs> right, right. Any, well, and it, admittedly, it frightens me some about stepping back into more pastoral work in terms of what that looks mm, like now. Because I yes. do think, I know everybody thinks their moment is unique, but I do think it's a particular time we're living in. in oh, yeah. Way. And I know that. I want to be clear about certain convictions that are very core to me. And yet at the same time, I kind of feel like, and I, I really, I don't, this, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating here. I feel like communities, no matter how right or left they are, as much as I don't like equivocation, if everybody thinks alike, it's like there's literally no means for God to use to transform people. Right. Because you don't have to love somebody that's right. challenging for you to love. Right. Like, I actually think that's when any movement loses its sort of spiritual edge and power is when no one really has to, is is not forced to have to engage people 
with whom they have deep disagreement. Absolutely. Because otherwise, like, look, there's no, there's no challenge to it. I mean, yeah. that, to me, becomes Jesus' whole like, well, everybody loves their right. kids. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? That's... You want a, you want a gold star? Yeah, exactly. And so that's so to me that that's just that's just such a tightrope because I know that in my life, who's you know who the good and bad guys are that switched a few times, mm-hmm. but they're still bad guys. And there's still right. people for whom like I can justify, well, I don't have to, right. I don't have to be tender towards that person. Right. I mean, there's boundaries. There's, there's appropriate prophetic, you know, words for people. And there's, yes. you know, and, and I mean, yeah, there's, there's ways to, to deal with that. But I do think sometimes we um, jump too quickly to the, well, they're garbage, they're trash, they're right. bad. Um, and yeah. And the thing is like, Frankly, you really can't be part of a community of any kind mm. that's ideologically pure. Like, it's just that you cannot make it happen. Sure. Because <laughs> you end up just being you. That's <laughs> so, right. That's right. So it's like, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's impossible. As soon as you get into real life, you run into people that you disagree with, sometimes on important stuff. Yes. And so, I don't know. Yeah. It's just so hard to figure out, I think right now, especially what how it is to... Because I think there's a kind of transcendence that's good, mm-hmm. and there's a kind of transcendence that's escapism yeah. above the fray. Right. Like I don't want that. Right. Yeah. Which is I know how a lot of like the middle way talk can be. Right. It's like oh I'm just not I'm a little above. Yeah. All yeah. That. Oh, like the the idea of somebody made this great analogy that I thought was perfect. Because sometimes what people will say, well I offend people on the right and the left, so I must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. Which is poor logic. Like just because you're offending right. a lot of people doesn't mean you're right. But somebody had a great analogy to that. Like I'm hitting cars on both the right hand and the left hand <laughs> side of the street. I must be doing something right. Yes. Well, no, that's like the logic is not right. But uh, you know, so so you don't want to go so far as to say that equivocation is inherently good. Yeah. Or that. Um, middle ground. You know, there's mm-hmm. the middle ground fallacy, the assumption that just sure. because you're saying it's in the, the middle ground makes it so, or the like, you know, I don't, or the, the this um, sort of contrarianism where it's like, well, I don't fit into any category, right, so therefore right, I don't right. have to assume any of the baggage of any community yes, or yes. any group. Um, and there's all these things that we can, we do, in fact, and grace and all mm-hmm. these the ways that we we try to insulate ourselves mm-hmm. from criticism or try to feel like we're above the fray Mm -hmm. um but at the same time like there are times when um you know uh some kind of middle ground compromise is called for sure or there are times when so it's all it's just so situational and we're comfortable with that yeah which is a word i feel like we don't want to use wisdom wisdom is a very underrated value in our yes, culture yes. and it is like one of the most important in scripture yeah. it's like you know above rubies above right. and all the riches in the world are not as valuable as wisdom you know it's right. like a tree of life and i mean everything in the bible points back to wisdom yeah. as being like this supreme and important virtue we just don't talk about it enough, absolutely um, but it's that discernment of like some things are true in some cases and not true in other cases. That's exactly right. It's, it, and it's highly contextualized and situational mm-hmm. and it requires care. And, and it's weird, too. Like, I don't I don't claim to be a super discerning. I mean, how many things I've gotten wrong in my life? Good, But I tell you, I do try. And there's different ways I feel like I can hear the voice. And some of it's through people and community and all that. But it's so weird how sometimes, like, I'll feel really strongly about something. And yet there's just some little inner voice is like, nope. Don't swing at that. Right. That's not yours. Like, just <laughs> yeah. don't. But I'm like, yeah. but I feel strongly about this, but I have something to say. Yeah. Nope. I don't want to ever get to a place to where I'm not sensitive to that because yeah. I just feel like, man, there is, 
I don't know. Dynamics are really complicated, and and but the, I love even that language, the kind of ignition of discerning the spirits, yeah. consolation, desolation. Yeah. Like, what's the fruit of this? Because I just, it's it's a struggle, I think, especially right now with all of our access to information, is that there are times where I think being prophetic means that you want to be timely, mm-hmm. but you don't mm-hmm. want to just be reactive all right. the time. And, and just, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And prophetic gets thrown, that's another word that gets actually thrown around a lot. Oh, sure. Like just being a jerk is not being prophetic. Right. <laughs> and frankly, it is, when people tell me I'm prophetic, I'm very uncomfortable with that because, mm. I mean, I because I tell them I'm far too comfortable, I think, to be to really feel like I'm a, mm. a prophetic voice. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the true prophetic voices that, that I'm hearing in the world today, I, I come from people whose the criticism against them is quite different, and yeah. and the lifestyles they're leading are. I mean, it's. I'm just uncomfortable claiming that mantle for myself, sure. and I'm sure. certainly uncomfortable when a clap back on Twitter gets count, you know, called prophetic. Like that's right. not sure. prophet, Like being prophetic is a whole, I think, a way of life and seeing the world, yes. and uh, requires a lot more than just like the snarky comeback. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that's not. So I I get uncomfortable with the way that we kind of throw that around yeah. so much um as if because like, and in the worst case it can turn to like to say anything snarky at all right is prophetic? Like, i see what? that though i see that happening oh, all the sure, time sure. like it just that people and and i just have i'm uncomfortable with that i mean yeah. i think about like somebody like reverend william barber like he's prophetic he's <laughs> like, prophetic he's the man who's been he's at this prophetic. for a long time That's and right. he's actually a really good example of somebody who does quote unquote offend both sides yeah he really is speaking beyond our regular categories Mm -hmm. of right and left. And, you know, that doesn't mean that he doesn't sometimes take a left position or even a right position, you know, whatever category it's in. But like his his ethic, his worldview, his prophetic work uh, can both encapsulate and transcend them. That's right. It doesn't always have to transcend. Sometimes it includes, you know, I don't think politics are like beneath us in any way. Like politics is a great way to love our neighbors, you know, and and. Um, like what did Nish say? Like one of the best systemic way to to love your neighbors, you know. And yes. so, uh, yeah, I think it's got to both encapsulate and transcend. And it's like, so he would be an example of somebody I think who is truly, truly prophetic. But what he does is very. I do feel like it's very nuanced. There will be people who are always going to dismiss any economic critique as well. That's just left. But I've noticed about Dr. Barber and other people that I respect, like on that level, he really doesn't swing at every pitch. Right. He does not. Yeah. He does not just riff. On against everything that's on the right, it's right. very focused, mm-hmm. and there there are particular convictions that he always like speaks to, and that that actually that really inspires me because I think it t- it's a certain amount of discipline, right? And I wrestle, you know, this is a that almost could be another conversation, but I wrestle with this thing in general because I kind of I just always think about because I've done a number of things over the years with the one campaign and whatever, you know, I mean, I, there are blind spots with anything, but ultimately one via PEPFAR and some of those initiatives, you've got 18.5 men, women, and children on, you know, antiretrovirals because of this. Like, that's, yeah. that seems to me to be a good thing. But I just remember, like, for example, during the uh, Iraq War, Bono was so criticized for showing up for meetings and photo ops and stuff with George W. Bush. Because everybody's saying, like, and he's clearly a pacifist. Like, everybody right. knows this. Like, yeah. very disciplined in principle. Yeah. But I remember it was partic- a particular interview where he talked about how when I went to work for the poorest people in the world, I gave up the right mm. to just speak about everything. Yeah. And I, I, I struggle with that tension because on the one hand, for you know, I, I want to have sort of a consistent Christian ethic, mm-hmm. 
as best as I can understand that. But I also feel like there's something to this idea of like focus that if you like if you go after everything, then you're not hurt on any one particular thing. Yeah. And again, especially with so much stuff happening right now, I, that's just I just find that a very hard thing to discern. Yeah. Legitimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes I think, you know, I'm too narrow and maybe I'm too focused and in my lane. And other times I think like, man, I'm just like everywhere <laughs> swinging at all kinds of stuff right now. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's such a good point. Like the, I mean, maybe it's as basic as taking time in the morning to discern what you're here for. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I mean, I'll, I feel like when I go when when it when I feel bad at the end of the day, it's yeah. usually because a I've spent too much time online. <laughs> yeah, and b I haven't had um, sort of a a posture for the day towards mm-hmm. it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. your kids wake you up really early, so you just kind of roll out of bed and you're not really thinking. So you mm-hmm. just kind of get on Twitter and then you see something and it just makes you mad and then. You, right. you say something real snarky and smart ass right back and everybody's like, you're so prophetic. And then you just keep going. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then at the end of it, it's like, oh, wait, I don't think I actually like right. changed anybody's mind. I right. definitely didn't really make the world a better yeah. place. Um, so, yeah, wisdom is that's it is it is elusive. It is more yes. precious than rubies. It is. <laughs> yeah. For, it was something I find weird, but I feel like people rarely talk about and I don't have like a whole theology of of it or something, but it's just something I'm thinking about these days. Like sometimes I think season sounds like such a Christian word. I wish I could put it. No, it's cool. It's cool. No, I I embrace that language. I I have found no better to describe the way that life ebbs. It's descriptive. It just works. Sometimes I feel like I, I am starting to see patterns in my life more broadly as sometimes I think I might be called to certain things in a season. Mm, And not so... I, I tell you a, a real interesting one for me is that, and I won't go into the side stories, but not this just wouldn't be helpful. Um, but the whole Liberty University does up be the most well known one, but there are a lot of smaller ones. Like there was a stretch where for like a year or two, I just felt like I was constantly getting, you know, I was just felt like I was getting so much trouble for things I felt like I just had to say politically and stuff around Trump phenomena and all that. Yeah. And I still feel all those same things yeah. but there was definitely a certain point at which I kind of felt like I haven't changed my mind and it's not that I never addressed them but there was something where deep inside I thought you know what I think I think I've said about as much about these things as it's going to be heard from me right yeah I think it's out there yeah I think people know mm-hmm. I just don't think I have anything more to say about this right now right and you know because like even right now I thought there's a little bit of a shift of I feel like there's a pastoral impulse on me right now that's much more about caring for people in the things as opposed to, I don't, I just, I just find it interesting because like, um, without denying the truth of any of those things, we're saying they can't be mutually exclusive. Yeah. But I do think it's possible. Like you might have a season where you're especially drawn to something, but then there might be a season where like, yeah, I I don't know if I have anything more to say about that. I feel like God's leading me more here and that that should be okay. Yeah. And especially when there are so many other people saying really good things about, and, and like, oftentimes like leading the way and uh, so a lot of times when I'm in one of those seasons where it's like I just don't really feel like that this is what I should be talking about it's so easy to share the work of other people so it's like to the degree that I have a platform and the people are listening to me Mm -hmm. like I can at least point them to the people who are who have are really doing good work around that and something you and I too were talking about uh, at lunch is just like the difference between a pastoral call and Mm. sort of a um, I don't know if public theologian is the right word or Mm. just like a a writer or a speaker, like I, I have never felt called 
to be a pastor because I don't really like people. <laughs> no, I don't like people enough to be a pastor. Sure, no, I hear you. Um, but but that it's given me a lot of freedom in, yeah. in what I can say. And what we were talking about at lunch is that a pastor is called to different work right. than a writer or an activist or a politician. Mm-hmm. And so pastors have to have to shepherd people through enormous cultural changes and shifts. Yeah. They have to shepherd congregations through times of, you know, plenty and want and times of good times and bad times, sickness and health. I mean, it's, yes, yes. it's, it is, it's relational in a way that having just a public platform is not, mm-hmm. um, or, or it is different. Mm-hmm. And so the calling of a pastor, which you are yeah, kind of entering into more of that season of life right now yeah. is going to be different than, yeah. uh, and, and you're going to talk about things differently mm-hmm. than you would um, to just when, when you don't have a whole lot of people looking back at you every Sunday, right? you know, that you're serving communion to yes. and who you're, you're sitting with them on their deathbeds and yes. you're sitting with them through, you know, their kids surgery. I yes. mean, that's, it's different. Yes. It is just different. And I've tried to respect the fact that the pastors who are also um, sort of in public life mm-hmm. are going to negotiate some of these political, theological, yeah. socio, sociological issues differently yeah. than I navigate them. Yeah. And then it's not fair to hold them to the same standard. Sure. Actually. It's their different standards. You know, I certainly don't want to be in their shoes. Right. So, you know, the, I, the, the, the least I can do is respect that, that their approach will likely be a bit different. You're saying this, what am I doing? What am I, why am I doing this? <laughs> no, it's, you know, it, but I think even in all this, discernment still is so like the key word because whether a person's a faith leader or even just connected to any kind of a tradition or like any kind of a work, I just think there are faithful ways to, to go and to leave. And I feel like I'll, I'll, there, there'll be people where it's like clearly the only thing that could be right and a good conscience and all that would be to walk away from a thing entirely. But I also know plenty of people I feel like are call- who who legitimately feel called to certain kinds of spaces. And I think if tomorrow everybody who was in a space where there was a lot of disagreement, or they felt a little bit stifled or constricted, just cold like walked out. Yeah. I don't know how if if that really is what moves the story forward, you know. Right. So I think there has to be room for both of those witnesses, yeah. like the people, because I, like sometimes I see people who really do kind of like burn it down. And I think like, I think God's really using you and like yeah. burning it down. And I see <laughs> exactly. other people who are like still kind of on the inside. And I can see like, you know, I think God really might be yeah. calling you to stay on the inside of this. We might need you here. Yeah, you God know? has that weird habit of being everywhere. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, but it's true. Yes. Like, I mean, I, I think there is, there is work to be done pretty much everywhere. Yes. And I think the problem is just that like we really want a system and we want rules right. because it's really comforting. It allows us to know that we're doing the right thing yes. and that other people are doing the wrong thing if we don't like them. Um, yes. You know, but we don't we don't get that. We get the the call to wisdom and that's I think now Pete Enns' new book is on wisdom and it's mm. very good. I think oh, that's great. one reason why that word keeps popping into my mind. Mm. It's 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 yeah. I'm kind of seeing everything with mm-hmm. wisdom and discernment right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's such a good some, word. It is a good word. Wisdom and seasons. But a hard <laughs> word, I think, again, in time where, like, if you have no contemplation, if you have no rest, if you have no solitude, yeah. how can you be wise? Yeah. And that's, which is, you know, the story of my life is, like, I, I, I just so struggle to cultivate those things. Mm. But then, you know, so, yeah, I just think it just... It's just, it just not seems me. Like a I have a to... deep, very rich contemplative life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think you have a contemplative streak. Yeah, I think so you do. It's so hard. It's so hard. Sure. I know. <laughs> sure. But I mean, I think, 
but I think that's it though is the the I can tell the degree mm-hmm. to which I'm nurturing those things mm-hmm. it's it my sense of what's right and wrong is both more open and more certain yes. it's like I'm more yes, open yes. to this how God might be leading other people and I'm right. actually more certain of what I'm supposed to be doing uh, yeah instead of letting the winds of sort of like whatever you just cannot let Dan tells me this all the time mm. it's like if I'm in a bad mood and I'm short with the kids and like I'm just I'm kind of hopeless about the state of the world it's like are you letting Twitter tell you how to feel today? Right, like, right. And I think Twitter's a great tool. I me really too. do. Like, Twitter introduced me to, like, Caitlin Curtis and sure. people who I just love and admire and have learned so much from. But, like, if I let it call the shots for the day, oh, man. it's bad. It's, it's bad. bad news. It's a tool. It's not yes. meant to be, like, input. It's, it's yes. meant to be, like, this is how I can connect with other people. Right. This is how I can share the good work of other people. Mm-hmm. And this is how I can express some of my views and, you know, yes. connect with my readers. Yes. It is not, it's not, it's bad when I start to use it for how I want to feel about the world. Oh, totally. Or my day or myself. <laughs> and even, and see, this is a fine distinction. Even though you t- it's, it can lead you to voices that instruct and form you mm-hmm. as a medium, if that's the main thing that forms you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You're just, Oh, I it's just like, it's like being on a, a boat in the middle of a very yes. tumultuous sea. I feel like I know I hate that I'm I'd like to find a better way to navigate through this, but for me it's what can make me feast or famine about all things Twitter, but other things included, like where sometimes for no I'll just you know what, this week I don't think I really need to engage that. Like I just like I did like I just can't. Yeah. Um I there's too much input and um I'm I'm not gonna say the constructive. Like I, I just have to have a rhythm of retreat, withdraw, then go back out there, then retreat, withdraw again. Like, cause I feel like if I stay in it all the time, yeah. I'm yeah. just not healthy. I'm well, just not a healthy like, person. It's kind of the point of Sabbath too, is like the world doesn't really need you that right. much. <laughs> like right. the world doesn't really need your voice in this. Cause yes. we start to convince yes. ourselves, well, I have to weigh in on whatever is trending. Right. You don't really. <laughs> you don't. And and by the way, and there, I remember Dave Chappelle had a riff in one of his last stand-up specials that stuck with me, this whole idea that like social media makes you feel like you should care about everything equally. Mm. And you really can't. Right. And especially now, and like, look, I'm not saying um, th- I, this has to be nuanced in, in a lot of ways, I'm sure. But to me, that is kind of a thing of like, man, I just, I hate it when you get that thing where everybody can always think of some, oh, you didn't say about something about Your such and such, you must not care about deafening. it. Right. It's like, right, like what? <laughs> No, I've been traveling, or like it's not that it's not like this deliberate. I've been on a plane. Uh, I haven't slept in three days. Uh, I had a I had a fight with my parents. You're right? Like, what? Yeah. You don't, the thing, the times people, it'll be so, it really my kid hysterical. Has That's right. I've told people that I've been like we were at the ho- we were at the doctor's office until eleven p.m. And like I've been so mad because somebody's like your silence on this and stuff. And yes. I'm, it's like, well, really? Do you want to you want to just like help me with this situation with my kid because that's what I'm dealing with. Like. Right. I have an actual life. Right. But like, I mean, but I've also kind of done that with other people. Oh, sure. I think, sure, I think a lot sure. of it, though, is like, are you, is it the daily news mm-hmm. driving you? Or like, if I were silent, this is what I tell people, because this is something I don't like, mm. is when somebody gets on and says, if your pastor doesn't address such and such this Sunday, walk yeah. out. Okay. Here's my response to that. If your pastor has never addressed sure. racial injustice, sure. right. Okay. Right. Either set up a time to talk or walk out yeah totally if they don't address it this week that's not fair that's because like fair. somebody in your church who's been a member for a million years might have died and and right. so he there's a he or she has a different message to bring to that right. congregation that like this notion that it's 
It's that the news should control everything. Yes. So whatever we're talking about this week, everybody has to talk about. Yes. But I totally agree. If it's never talked about, right? Then yeah, that's a real problem. But telling people they have to talk about what everybody's talking about, what's trending, or your silence is some kind of complicity, right. is not fair. It doesn't. It doesn't make room for the nuances of how we actually live our lives, yes. how we actually pastor, how we just move about the world, which is. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes your kid gets the flu the night of the presidential yeah. debates, and so you don't get to weigh in. Yes. <laughs> and that's okay. You yeah, sometimes, or you just didn't watch the news. Sometimes things happen. I, just, I did not know about that. <laughs> right. No, I didn't actually What do you think it. about the law? And so, what law? Where? Right, when right. Was it? I know. I know. <laughs> I, well, because, and I think, too, it's like as much as, and again, uh, trying to nuance everything, I know that what we say matters. Our words do matter. They have consequences, meaning for sure. Yeah. But, but it also puts too much weight on, like, the... What what if they did say something like it can also be easy to say something. I just hate again, especially when that entails like a sense of superiority other mm-hmm. over other people who might really be doing the work. Right. And now I get to come out and say, if you don't say in the next 48 hours. <laughs> right. And they might have been organizing all night in right, their neighborhood. Like right, that right. happens. That For totally sure. happens. In fact, the people who are doing the most work. I, frankly, are not on the internet as much as Yeah, that's so us. true, which convicts me. I'm <laughs> right, aware me of this. Yeah, I'm very aware of this. They have very thin presences. You know, their presence on, on social media can be kind of thin because right. they're actually pretty busy with the work. Yeah. That's some, a, a trend I have noticed. So, yeah, we all need to, to cut our, cut each other a little slack here. and. Or people just sometimes, I don't know, like I, I'm going to use that like this is, and this is, this is a fun, I think this is the conversation everybody's really having or wants to have right now or needs to have maybe. The, um, you, I, I, this is the most extreme example I could think of, but I, I've met some folks and, and this is funny because I get where this is a real tension. And so I'm, t- I don't, I wouldn't have told the story out loud before, I'm sure. Um, the second part of it, the, I know some people who work inside the, Trump administration, more like kind of on the security side, but have these interesting conversations. Strong consciences, like they're very awake and very aware. I'll, I'll just say, you know, but I think are doing some really important things that are subversive in important ways. Yeah. That, and like, I personally am glad they are there. Yeah. But I was with like uh, January of last year, me and my friend Jared McKenna were out in New Mexico with Father John Deere. Yeah. Who... He's been arrested 82 times, Catholic <laughs> priest. He's the one who largely responsible for helping bring like Martin Sheen back to faith. Yeah. I mean, he's an activist hero. He was studied under the Barrigans and stuff. I mean, he's, he's a rock star. He's amazing. But it was funny because, and I actually see where there is tension here. Like, we had a conversation about all these things where I, that had just happened to me. These where I, talk, I told him that story, and I said it like in an encouragement. Because I was encouraged by it. I was yeah. encouraged by like their faithfulness to try to work for something yeah. from within the inside. Like, like, oh, that makes me feel a little bit more hopeful. He got all over me. And I get this perspective, <laughs> too, because he was like, because even like going to some of those spaces to pray and to have these conversations, like, Jonathan, never do that again. <laughs> and it's like, never. Like, just like oh that. Because he said, like, Jesus didn't have prayer meetings with Pilate. If they work for Pilate, your message is put down your sword, put down your gun, repent, and follow Jesus. Jesus does not have prayer meetings with Pilate. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. oh, so, and what do you say to that? What like, do you say? And I, because I legitimately feel like there's tension there because yeah. it's like, you know, I, I, I really, I get and appreciate his heart. And I think there again, his purity on those things, I think 
is a John the Baptist kind of witness that we need. Yeah. But I'm like, ah. well, there was the centurion. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the That's Bible right. nerd in me is like, well, we can yes. make the case yeah. that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see his point to a degree. Sure. But I don't know. Like, it, it's harder, though, when it's like these are just regular people and yes. not like the abstract, like, you know, Trump administration official or, right. you know, like, or, you know, because I have, I have sensibilities that lean a little more towards, you know, nonviolence. Um, but around here. Yeah. You know, some yeah. of my dearest friends and neighbors are, you know, you know, military and mm-hmm. have served in the military. And, you know, at our church, it's very important that we pray for members of the military. And it's just sure. like one of those things where it's like, you know, I have my 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 views and I feel strongly about them. Yeah. But these are also like people. These are my neighbors. Yes. And yes. Uh, I can't just completely write them off. Right. Or or even see every moment as a moment in which they need to be challenged. Like this is pretty deeply embedded. You don't just like show up and say like, Hey, this is my second week at this Episcopal church. We're not going to pray for military anymore. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like you can't do that. Uh, And so you have to recognize that you're located in a culture somewhere. And so it gets, it gets tricky. Well, and then like just, and I think that's where I, that whole idea even came to my mind to connect with a larger conversation. It's just this notion that, Hey, how about for some people, it takes a lot of discipline and, and restraint to be in a place they may not want to be mm-hmm. because they do feel like, like like that that they may really be doing hard work. Or in the yeah. case of like some of the folks that you might be worshiping with, people who actually maybe have come a a really long way from where they started. From. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the whole thing. We missed this as one of Jesus's like major points was like if the law, which he loved, he was a good Jew. Mm-hmm. If the law is hurting people. You know, if your application of the law is hurting people, right. you're not doing it right. Right. Like, right. so if it's hurting people, then it's not right. Cornelius, too, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Wasn't he in the Roman army? Cornelius? Yes, yes, yes. I think Peter so. Peter ate dinner with him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Boom. I, I'm arguing with this guy. Father like... John. I'm going to call him. <laughs> Might yeah. not have been a prayer meeting, but they ate together. <laughs> so that thought came into my mind That's as great. I was saying something That's else. Great. What about I love that. <laughs> but I think it's it's like such a good, it, uh, you know, not again, it doesn't simplify everything, but the whole notion of like to always attend to the people who are in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good policy. You yeah. Know, it's sort of <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, every, if, if you, if you really believe that every single person is a beloved child of God, it changes yes. everything. I mean, I think there's this idea out there that like the problem is we're all cutting each other too much slack. We're all we're, we're being right. too loving. We're getting too uh, people will say the feminization of yes. course, you know, because yes. you know, God forbid. Um, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think the mm-hmm. problem is that we're being too deferential and kind to one another. No, I mean, I, don't I think, think the so problem either. is that we're not seeing one another as beloved children of God. And when you begin to see people. Mm-hmm. as beloved children of God, that's when you, the fire for injustice gets even more that's like, right. stoked and, and, and even more powerful is because like the reason racism yes. and religious nationalism um, is so offensive to you, mm-hmm. you know, it's compounded when you believe that every single person is a beloved child of God. That doesn't yeah. take away from your sense of justice and yes. right and wrong. In fact, for me, it like clarifies it in and also leaves room for grace. It does. Like seeing people, every person is a beloved child of God, both makes me more gracious towards them and also like hot mad Yeah. when I see injustice in the yes. world and people suffering and children suffering. And um, yeah, so it's not like it takes away. It, it 
makes it adds. Well, know? and the fact that those things are connected, because to me, and this is more, and I again, there's nothing in this in sort of a legalistic, judgmental way, because it's not even so much about, I don't know, I'm not trying to make it too much about Christian spirituality, but I do think there's some of this idea that the very entry of your heart by which you're tender to people, mm. man, it's like if, if you allow yourself to become hard yeah. towards one kind of people— it it does affect your posture yes. in every other direction. Yeah. You can't help mm-hmm. that. Yep. So yes, I see this in my life. Oh, me too. I see it because like, there is like religious people that I get really hardened towards. Yes, and it it affects it affects how I see like everybody, my neighbors. Right, right. It's so hard right now with like frankly with Trump in office it and is. all that that has brought out. It's like it's really hard for me to love my yeah. neighbor who's wearing it. Who put a Trump sign in the yeah, air? Yeah, yeah. You know how many times like this is literal. This is across the street. Like mm. you know how many. times? I've fantasized about running my car over that sign like at least once a day. So if I do it when I leave, then it wasn't (laughs) you. He finally took it down. He took it down like three months after the election. I was just like, take it down. Take it down. Take it down. Um, But like, yeah. I don't know. I don't like some of the ugliness that I feel towards uh, people at this. So I, I guess my point is like right now, it feels like everything is a little bit harder when it comes to grace. It is harder. Well, <laughs> Everybody's yeah. feeling everything in, in such right. extremes because everything's like, it's not, it's like what you said. You had mm. some of the best insights, and I think I quote you and inspired on this, on what this election was about. It was not mm. that things have been turned upside down and, oh, everything's different. It's it revealed yeah. that things, yeah. like how things are. Yeah. And for a lot of us who had some, a protective layer because of our, our privilege, um, because of whatever, mm-hmm. you know, this was, uh, like you say, it was apocalyptic. Yeah. It revealed how the how things actually are. Yes. Um, and people have been telling us this, uh, but I think it really reinforced the reality of that. So mm-hmm. I think since we're living in apocalyptic times, yes. very revealing yes. times, whether it's Me Too or the Trump administration or mm-hmm. just the proliferation of, you know, our access to all these different stories by social media, like we're seeing things as they are in, in a pretty big way and so we all have to be a little nicer to each other we really do because it's been hard and and i think and to your point because i do think that should probably be stated that as much as i do think we must show grace to all of our neighbors etc like i mean it just that's that has been a challenge i think this whole season is that we're dealing with ideas and rhetoric that in many cases are just off the grid Mm -hmm. of any sort of conservative liberal right left continuum as we've known it you know like you can be a follower of Jesus and you can, you know, have these ideas about small government or you can believe that systemic levers should be pulled. And But we can all agree that we're Christians and there's a way to do this. There's not like a a Christian way to demonize right. refugees and immigrants. Right. And like that's, you know, and that's that I do think that's part of the challenge of like the moment is that there's these mm-hmm. things that are in the water that just aren't. This really isn't about for Christians. This is what I was saying the other day. Somebody was talking about how Christians need to, both Trump supporters and non, you know, resistance need to find their common ground in Christ. And I, I could not even follow that thought because mm. this is the truth is I feel like right now, and this throws the whole, whole conversation off a little bit, but I feel <laughs> like I have more in common in a lot of ways with like non-Christian social justice activists mm. like Jewish or Muslim or Sikh, you know, with those folks than I do with my fellow Christians. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how intense this cultural moment is. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like I have more in common with people who have similar goals for the country, for society, for the world um, than I do with fellow Christians. And I don't really know what to do with that. But 
I know that grace works yes, <laughs> in yes. both of those contexts. That's right. Like grace right. never doesn't work. I mean, yeah. when it's when it's done right and thoughtfully and with wisdom, like it works in a context, a secular context, or it works in a faith context. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but that's just something I've been thinking a lot about lately is just how how hard it is for me to find any common ground with mm-hmm. um, some people at, at this moment. So. It's a weird, it, and that honestly, I would, it is it's a, a weird, weird feeling. It's a weird disorienting feeling. I don't know what to do that either. Yeah. When someone shares a common faith language, right. and maybe we do come to the table together, but there's not a shared language of compassion or like basic human dignity. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know how to feel more it's connected really to hard. you because you share faith language and with someone else who has that same value for, for mm-hmm. basic dignity. I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Well, that's one case where like practices does help. It, I mean, yes. it does. Cause I know for a fact, I take communion with people who do not, who voted for Trump. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I have to, to make my, I have spoken at the church that Trump goes to when he's in Florida, mm. which is like, he goes like once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know, and some of the people in that community, community support him. So that was mm. weird. Um, so, I mean, I know I, I would take communion with Donald Trump. Mike Pence mm. would be harder. Although he's Catholic, so I don't think he would take communion with me. <laughs> so that, that problem is Saved solved. by the bill. <laughs> Saved by Catholicism. <laughs> this was a very fun, interesting spiral that got yes, us Yes, it was. And this was going to be like a five-minute thing, and we've got a whole... Oh, I think we did more than five minutes. I was saying this, and it was going to be. Like, this turned into a whole thing. Like, I love it. But yeah. I do feel like this is... Because I feel like to be, like, not to try to put down to, like, a simple takeaway, but I, I just think the discernment thing is just so key that they're just, you know, every person that we encounter, if they're creating the image of God is worth attending to and worth, and and yeah, like sometimes legitimately we're, we're not given a set of answers. What might be the right thing to do in one yeah. context might legitimately not be yeah. what God's calling you to do in another setting, another place. It require because to me, it's like this, and I, I don't feel like I do it well at all, but man, I really am trying for it these days. Like that, the sensitive, it's like surfing. You're trying to be sensitive both, to God's initiative, to whatever the spirit, but also to, to this person. Yeah. Just to, to, to really be tuned in to both yeah. of those things. And that does require sometimes like adjustments on the fly and, yeah. you know, changing things up in real time, like unapologetically. Right. I think like God's the God of the Exodus. He's always on the move. We have to be yeah, to the on Jews the that became Jews, to the Greeks that became Greek, you know, to, like yes. that's, it's this yes. kind of old, you know, this is kind of an old strategy. Yes. And I think too, like recognizing that, you know, how, power and privilege and power differentials factor in too. Mm. It's like, it's, I think it's really unfair, like to ask, for instance, a gay friend to defend themselves, Yes, uh, a, you know, to a conservative who's just like using the Bible as a weapon and throwing right. them at the, and like, and, and using the Bible to degrade and dehumanize. Like it is not the responsibility of That's like right. LGBTQ people That's to right. always enter those spaces and to try and be a bit bridge builders. Yeah. Some I think are feel called to that work. Sure. God bless them, but it's never my job and it's it's wrong for me to tell them they have to do that. The grace right. has to look like you entering into that. That's right. That circumstance. So and to like to put it in a perspective like for me, like I don't think for a, for women who maybe if you have been abused or you know sexually harassed by mm-hmm. somebody it is not your ju- like nobody should be telling you that grace demands yeah. that you do anything that's right regarding your abuser like yes, you, yes. forgiveness is something you you do for yourself really and it's something that you do on your own time and in mm. your own way and so it's like rec- recognizing the power differentials that might be at work is important too to the discernment process yeah. and especially if you're in but don't try to discern for other people yes. like what 
grace or might look like. Right. Because uh, and for the, those of us with more, you know, like I'm not going to ask, you know, you know, somebody who's been an activist, you know, for Black Lives Matter doesn't necessarily have to go into an all white church. Sure, sure. <laughs> and sit there and answer questions on behalf of black. That is an yeah. unfair thing to ask. Yes. Somebody might feel uniquely called to that. Yes. Very difficult work. Um, but that's not you asking that of people. That's something I've learned kind of mm-hmm. recently because I was always like grace no matter what in every circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know, love can forget, you know, can shatter every barrier, but like don't put people in dangerous situations that's right. or that's don't put right. them in situations where they're having to defend their very humanity. That's yes. an unfair thing to ask. But again, it comes back to wisdom and discernment. It does. It it does. Really so does. There's just, we're just, they're not these universal principles that always right. apply right. to any of these things. It's just very, so I, I just can't get over that. Like how there's, in, in almost any situation, there's a faithful way to stay. There's a faithful way to leave. Mm-hmm. There, there's a right and wrong way. I, to use those dualistic words, but you know what I mean. A right and a wrong way to do almost anything. Right. Like, you know. Yeah. So, so which I feel like that's where I feel like discernment especially matters because I think it has so much to do with intention. Yeah. It's about having a heart that's aligned with love. And yeah. I know the difference. And yeah. that yes. eats at me. Yeah. Because sometimes like I'll like will know I that know. my position is right, <laughs> my rhetoric is right or whatever. But, like my heart is, is not, not, <laughs> not yes. in the right place. I've been there too. I'm I'm glad that makes me feel a little less alone. Because I have done the same thing. And yeah, you know. Oh, my kids are making some noises. That's I might that's, need to go feed my baby. That's from that's that's completely <laughs> that's, fair. that's a good up. that's a good natural stopping. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, thanks for joining for part two. That's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. So much fun. That was a fun riffing. Thank you for listening today. For more, go to jonathanmartinwords.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to become a patron of this podcast and help keep it alive, then go to patreon.com slash sonofapreacherman. Remember, no matter who you are or where you come from, we hope this podcast can help you come to know the love that calls you by your true name. God bless.